electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I am Brian Sullivan, and tonight, is Chile about to go full Venezuela? South American nation shocking the world, saying it will nationalize its lithium mines. It slammed a major American company, and does it put the entire energy transition in jeopardy? The Jeffrey Epstein vortex grows again. A new report shows J.P. Morgan executives held meetings with Epstein even after they canceled his accounts following conviction for soliciting a minor. Tonight, new details on those meetings directly from J.P. Morgan Chase and why the bank says those meetings indeed happened. Nearly 20 states attorneys general urging recalls of Kias and Hyundais because, get this, they're too easy to steal. Bad bets. A group of NFL players suspended for gambling and two were fired. Plus, I'm going to interview that guy who happens to be the AI-created version of me. Meet Faux Bryant. And much like the real one, he's got a lot to say. We've got that and so much more tonight, and I'm real. So belly up or buckle up. Last call is up right now. Well, good evening here and good afternoon to everybody out west. Thanks for joining us. Happy Friday. We've got all that ahead, but let's start right here. Has Elon Musk bitten off more business than he can chew? Some Tesla investors think so. 17 investors holding $1.5 billion in Tesla stock, signing a letter asking to meet with the board to talk about Musk's performance as CEO. They argue that in the year following Musk disclosing his stake in Twitter, Tesla has lost more than $500 billion in market cap. The letter argues, quote, The board has failed to ensure that the CEO is appropriately focused on Tesla. Now, Elon Musk, if you don't know, you soon will, currently controls or owns five companies. Obviously, Tesla, Twitter, which is now just called X on a corporate level, SpaceX and its Starlink subsidiary, the Boring Company, which makes tunnels, and Neuralink. Oh, yeah. And Musk also says he's going to build another AI company called XAI. I don't think anybody has done anything like this in the history of modern capitalism before. But is Musk doing too much and taking away from some of the key businesses? Let's take it to our panel tonight. With us is founder and CEO of Nia Impact Capital. That is Dr. Kristen Hull, who's one of the investors who signed the letter. And look at that. Our friend and former colleague, Dennis Neal, media strategist and host of the What's Bugging Me podcast on Ricochet. Dennis has an op-ed in the journal this week, a must-read. Great to see you, Dennis. Kristen, I'm going, to start, I'm going to start with you. Uh, what's your beef with Musk, Tesla, and his coterie of other jobs? Um, hi, thanks for having us tonight. And so this is such an important topic because 
just like any other company, although this isn't like any other company, investors, we went in there for that battery play and the evolution of EV markets. And we need a CEO that's focused on that company um, with competitors coming up. You know, Tesla has been leading for so long. And yet with the distractions going on at that company, investors can't be assured that um, shareholders' minds um, and clients are, are in mind. Dennis, I think you, just in the way that Dennis Neal does, I think you called some of these investors whiners. Yeah, the, you know, here's the thing. It's 17 investment groups or, or, or holders, $1.5 billion. Okay, that's a lot. Tesla's worth half a trillion more than that. So these investors own two one-thousandths of one or two ten-thousandths of a, two thousandths of a percent. I mean, they'd have to buy 500 as much as they own to get to one percent. But look at all the media that they're getting. And that's the real purpose of this pursuit here, because the fact is, you don't like Tesla? Sell your stock, guys. OK, he is one of the most brilliant, amazing, innovative CEOs and entrepreneurs of our time, maybe of any time. And would we rein in Einstein? Would we rein in Mozart? Man, I don't want to rein in Tesla and, and him. If you don't like him, sell your stock. Let's understand, Brian. These are union Oriented groups. These are groups that you know pursue the typical agenda of LGBTQ rights and and separate issues. Okay, Dennis, you have me. So this is just activism. This is not about Tesla's value. Is this activism or is this about Tesla value? Doctor Hull, you there? Is this this about me? Yo, absolutely. Yes, I am. Absolutely. Well, so the the stock price has gone down over 50% in the last year. So this is absolutely about value. Um, it's also about what is needed for our economy. And as you mentioned, Tesla, you know, this CEO has stepped up in innovation. And how is he going to continue this and keep these getting to market? Um, he's going to need to out-innovate. And we're going to need his attention on the job. Okay, so these, these critics, um, and, and Kristen does a very good job of speaking for them, and I'm happy to be here w- with her and with you, Brian. But let's understand they... They kind of cherry-picked April to April from when he announced he was going to do something, and Tesla's stock is down 46% in that time. Facebook stock was down 64% in a a year's period recently. Okay, where are you going to even start? And Mark Zuckerberg runs just one company. There is no evidence offered. I mean, they do raise a concern about the human and labor rights of the company, but there's not one shred of evidence offered that shows he was distracted on this day by Twitter, and therefore this happened over here. I mean, all big NASDAQ stocks that were the highest flyers, like Tesla was, had a big tumble. So if you don't like it, sell it. But are you saying that you really think Tesla would be better without Elon Musk? They want to get rid of board members that are allies of Elon Musk. This, This is this guy's company. It wouldn't exist without him. How dare they do this? Well, Dr. Hull, I mean, to Dennis's Dennis's point, I mean, the stock is, I think, made 27,000 percent or whatever since going public. I know it's down by 50 percent since the highs. But I mean, you've got to be happy with the money. Ultimately, I don't know when you got in it, but if you got in it near the beginning, you're rich er. Um, there's some point to be said if you were in this, you know, 2012, you've made, uh, you know, a lifetime of results and that's fine. And yet we're here for continued innovation. We're here for continued execution on the job. And we're not seeing that. And again, Tesla was leading before. And yet so many of the competitors are here now um, and they're going to need to answer to that. And we need a CEO what? that's focused on this job. Brian, 
Why should 17 investor groups who know nothing about running any of the five companies that Elon Musk controls, why should they have any voice at all when they own two one thousandths of one percent of Tesla shares? Why shouldn't they be? Dennis, 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 why shouldn't they be? Listen, a guy that controlled like less than a percent of ExxonMobil, right, at the at the fire engine number one was able to push through certain things. The size, and you know what? The size of the invest. Listen, the board can listen to Dr. Hull and her group or not. That's their prerogative. But but look, look at the groups that are doing this amalgamated bank. It calls itself a socially responsible bank. And and you've got it supports criminal justice, immigrant rights. You've got the New York City Comptroller's Office. You've got the Socially Responsible Investment Coalition, which is unions. You've got a group called SHARE. It was founded as the B.C. Federation of Labor in Canada. Brian Sullivan, you know as well as I do that this is not at all about the value in Tesla stock. If their pension funds or whatever it is are worried about it, sell it and put it somewhere else that's better. The fact that you could think that you're going to spend all of your time yeah. as a group of this tiny of a voice to try to advocate for this is just it's for your own group and your is own agenda. The, Dr. Hull, is this more sort of a so, social type thing or a rage at the stock type thing? This isn't a social type thing, and it's not a rage at the stop type thing either. This is about simple governance. Um, there are some issues that are pretty significant um, that the board does need to handle, and it's coming from the top, right? So Tesla is currently being sued by the state of California for racial discrimination. That is something that can be preempted. They need policies and practices in place. Um, but this is when we're talking about innovation because they're going to need to attract, retain, and promote top talent. And with um, social issues going on in the company like this, they're not going to be able to do well, that. Well, Dr. Hall, you got it, but you got to imagine a company Tesla size, every major company is going to have some social issues. I, I'm just guessing it's going to have issues. They're hiding behind forced arbitration. Many of the um, big companies are moving away from that because it does hide any incidents of sexual harassment or racial discrimination from investors um, and from managers within the firm. So they do have some antiquated policies that do need to be improved, and we'd like to see the board step up. Quick final word, Dennis. Brian? You know how the game works. Quick. When I say quick, I mean quick. Sure. The fact is, this is nothing more than an attempt to silence Elon Musk because these groups Liberal labor union groups and the media don't like what he's saying. And the media hate him for buying Twitter, I, which was their platform. I, I, I thought That's he was why. a hero of the left, and now he's not. I can't figure it out. Dr. Kristen Hall, good conversation. Keep us informed. Dennis Neal, good to see you again, my man. Appreciate Thanks. it. All right, meantime, here's what happened to your money this week. Not much. All the major averages barely budged. They dropped a little bit. I mean, it's one of the slowest weeks you've ever had, by the way. That's your market. All right, coming up. Something new, cool, and I'm not going to lie, a tiny bit terrifying. I interviewed an audio AI version of myself. The team calls him Faux Brian. I like to call him Chet. We're going to chat with Chet about all sorts of stuff from the advancement of AI to proper airline etiquette. That interview is coming up soon. Also, JP Morgan, the subject of a just-released Wall Street Journal article that alleges the bank's ties to disgraced financier Jeffrey Epstein go further than thought. And what one South American nation just did that could send shockwaves through the entire new energy industry. Stick around. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? 
a lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon-intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. All right, now to a big story for the entire new energy economy, especially things like electric cars. The president of Chile, a far-left former university protest leader, saying that he will nationalize that country's lithium mines. Chile is the world's second largest producer of the metal, but also has the largest reserves in the world. Chile controls roughly one quarter of all lithium on the planet. You care because the metal is critical to things like electric car and other batteries. And this is not just a Chilean story. North Carolina-based Albemarle has a huge mine in Chile. They've been there 40 years. A mine whose future may now be up in doubt. Joining us now is Albemarle CEO Kent Masters. Uh, Kent, I'm, listen, we appreciate you coming on on short notice. It's not the kind of interview, I'm sure, on a subject you want to do. Uh, what is the status of your mine in Chile? Hi, Brian. Well, thanks for having me on. And um, so the news out of Chile last night caused some confusion. So President Boric proposed a new lithium policy, which is about the uh, additional and new mineral rights. And they've made it clear that existing contracts and concessions for lithium will be honored. Our contract runs through 2043. So our, our current mine is secure through 2043. And we see this with an opportunity to participate with the Chilean government to get additional lithium within the country. So the stock fell 10 percent today, as I'm sure you know, the market's sort of selling first and asking questions later. So what are we getting wrong about the story? What is the market getting wrong? Because it certainly sounds like this guy uh, is just going to take the mine. Yeah, I think it's as your headline started. So it, it's a, they're saying it's nationalizing lithium, which is not the case. So the existing contracts uh, are in place, ours through 2043. And we have the opportunity to get additional mineral concessions and partner with the Chilean government to do that. So we see it as an opportunity for us. And uh, and as I said, our existing operations in the Salar de Atacama are contracted through 2043. You've got the contract, I know, but uh, Kent, as I'm sure you know, and we could probably speak with some oil and gas companies and say a country like Venezuela, and Chile is not Venezuela, thank God, uh, that where contracts don't mean anything. Yeah, well, that's a risk that you see, but we've been talking to the uh, board's government uh, actually before they came into power, and they've been very thoughtful about this process. And what they're trying to do is bring more lithium from Chile to the market. Uh, and and do that in public-private partnerships with companies that know how to operate uh, uh, those mines like ourselves. You might have heard about something called the energy transition, Kent. I'm just throwing that out there, a uh, wild stab. Uh, tell our audience how critical lithium is, and in particular, how critical having secure so- sources, whether they're in uh, Chile, Australia, or maybe even North Carolina. 
Yeah, so I mean, lithium is a is a hot commodity at the moment, and it is key for the energy transition. So for electrification, for whether it's EVs, but also in your mobile phone, anything uh, with um, uh, uh, mobile electricity, lithium is key for that, and uh, it is in short supply. We are investing heavily around the world. Uh, Chile is a big uh, market for us to bring product, but Australia's as well, and we have a new mine in North Carolina. It's actually not a new mine; it's an old mine that that uh, has been shut down that we anticipate being able to open uh, in uh, four or five years' time. Yeah, it was the biggest in the world at one point, got shut down, and now you're trying to bring it back. Listen, your stock may come back. You sound pretty optimistic, Kent. We appreciate you joining us. I wouldn't imagine if your stock didn't have a pop on Monday morning. Kent Masters, thank you. All right, Brian, thank you. Oh, welcome. All right, time now for tomorrow's news tonight. The stories you're going to be talking about tomorrow morning, yeah, it's a Saturday, but whatever. First up, development of Google's 80-acre San Jose mega campus on hold. Company trying to reckon with the current economic slowdown. Construction only made it to the first phase of demolition before it was halted. It was expected to add thousands of new housing units and 15 acres of public park to the area. CNBC learned Google gutted the development team for the San Jose project in an effort to downsize. Sources involved told us company currently does not have any plans to restart the project anytime soon, which should be obvious given that they gutted the team running it. Next up, nobody apparently is running the Federal Aviation Administration. The FAA's acting chief, Billy Nolan, is on his way out. Nolan announces plans to depart in a letter to employees today. According to the letter, plans to leave sometime this summer. At this time, federal officials have not yet disclosed who will be taking over for his interim role, hopefully somebody, until a permanent leader can be confirmed by the Senate. Pause for one second. I want that to sink in. The FAA and the FDA both may be without confirmed commissioners as of this summer. Let that sink in. Medicine, food, and flying. Meantime, major news out of D.C. just moments ago. The Supreme Court says the abortion pill will remain broadly available during its ongoing legal battle in lower courts. The decision comes in response to an emergency request for the Department of Justice to block a ruling that would have limited access to the medication in states where abortion is currently legal. The case over the abortion pill will now be heard on Wednesday, May 17th, in the U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. All right, coming up after this short break, it is real me versus fake me. I'm going to speak with an AI version of me. I'm excited. I'm a little terrified. Revolutionary tech on full display. Next. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. All right, welcome back to Last Call. Over 25 or so years, I've been privileged to interview a number of high-profile people, billionaires, politicians, executives, celebrities. But tonight, I may have met my match. I will be speaking with myself, or at least a computer-generated version. That is Faux Brian. He's very handsome. He's powered by artificial intelligence that has copied my speech and my tone and maybe even my brain. But before that guy and me go mano a mano, 
Let's bring in Faux Brian's creator. It is John Meyer, the founder and CEO of Forever Voices. John, uh, thank you for not only joining us, but thank you for doing this and putting the work behind it. I'm going to interview myself in a moment, and then you can respond. I have not seen it. I have not heard it. I have no idea what to expect. But a- And we're trying to have fun with it, but AI is a serious thing. There have been technology CEOs who have recently warned about it. As you build this out, what are some of the biggest ethical, perhaps even moral or philosophical concerns that we should have? It's a great question. You know, we're building a platform that's allowing average everyday citizens to connect with two-way audio to public figures, celebrities, all through licensing agreements. But what that means is that ethics and, you know, let's say inappropriate comments that the AIs may say are very important to watch out for. And so that's why even with your AI that we're about to demo with you live, um, you'll notice um, it's incapable of saying inappropriate comments. You know, it can only say factual comments. And that's applying to uh, really all of our AI personas on the platform. Can you give us in, in very layman's terms, how does this work? How is it built? I mean, you got my voice somehow, but how does it think like me? So you have a a series of data online about you, of course. We've paired that up with traits about you that we can find, and we've trained an AI model uh, to create a personality, uh, almost like a brain of yours in AI form. And then we've we've also done the same for your voice, uh, to actually take samples of your voice from your own recordings, just a few minutes worth of your TV appearances, and we've trained an AI model based on that that sounds incredibly realistic to the point where when I met you in AI form earlier today, I was stunned when I was speaking with him. Well, that's a heck of a setup. Again, I want to be clear with the audience. I have I have not heard this. I don't know what to expect. I'm kind of confused of what to ask. Uh, but John, I'm going to do the interview with uh, Faux Brian. We'll call him Mr. BS. And then, and then you can respond. How about that? All right. Um, let, let's go ahead and interview Faux Brian. Um, Brian, does journalism have a future? Absolutely, Brian. Journalism and media play a critical role in providing information and keeping the public informed. While the industry has faced disruption and challenges with the rise of digital media and social platforms, there will always be a demand for quality journalism and storytelling. Adapting to changes in technology and audience behavior will be key to a sustainable future for journalism. But I believe that the fundamental importance of journalism in society will never change. What are your thoughts on the future of journalism? Okay, that is absolutely stunning. Um, Gosh, what should I ask myself? Start macro, I guess. Is... um, is, is artificial intelligence going to be good for humanity or is it, Faux Brian, a threat to humanity? That's a great question, Brian. Artificial intelligence has the potential to improve our lives in many ways, from enhancing healthcare and transportation systems to optimizing business operations and saving energy. However, it's also important to acknowledge the potential risks and challenges associated with AI, such as job displacement and privacy concerns. As with any technological advancement, it's essential to approach AI with caution and consider its impact on society as a whole. By working towards responsible development and deployment of AI, we can harness its benefits while mitigating its risks. What is the greatest movie 
ever made? Well, Brian, that's a difficult question. There are so many incredible movies out there, each with its own unique qualities and appeal. It can be tough to choose just one as the greatest ever made. However, some films have stood the test of time and continue to captivate audiences to this day. Classics like The Godfather, Gone with the Wind, and Casablanca are often regarded as some of the greatest films ever made in cinematic history. Other modern films such as The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, The Shawshank Redemption, and Forrest Gump have also gained widespread critical acclaim and cultural significance. Ultimately, the greatest movie ever made could vary based on personal preferences and individual experiences. What's your favorite movie, Brian? My favorite movie is The Right Stuff, based on the Tom Wolfe book, the true story about the Mercury astronauts and General Chuck Yeager. What are the three most interesting countries to visit in the world right now? The Right Stuff is a great movie, Brian. As for your question, there are so many incredible countries to visit in the world, each with its own unique culture, history, and attractions. Here are three countries that I find particularly interesting to visit right now. One, Japan. Japan is a fascinating blend of ancient traditions and modern technology, offering visitors a unique experience like no other. From the bustling streets of Tokyo to the serene temples of Kyoto, Japan has something for everyone. Two, Egypt. For history and archaeology enthusiasts, Egypt is a must-visit destination. The country's rich ancient civilization is showcased through iconic landmarks like the Pyramids of Giza and the temples of Luxor and Karnak. Three, New Zealand. Nature lovers will enjoy the breathtaking landscapes of New Zealand, from snow-capped mountains and glaciers to serene lakes and beaches. The country is also known for its outdoor activities, such as hiking, skiing, and water sports. Of course, there are countless other amazing countries to consider visiting as well, depending on your interests and preferences. Japan is actually number one on my list of places to visit. I've been to Egypt. It is spectacular. Uh, nailed it with Japan. Final question, Faux Brian. If you are flying economy class internationally, is it polite to fully recline your seat into the person's space behind you? Ah, Japan is definitely a must-visit destination, Brian. As for your question, it's a bit of a sticky situation. While you do have the right to recline your seat on an airplane, it's always considerate to be mindful of the person behind you. If you're planning on reclining, it's a good idea to do so gradually and check with the person behind you if they're comfortable. It's also courteous to avoid reclining during mealtimes or when the person behind you is working on a laptop or other device. Ultimately, being respectful and considerate to your fellow passengers is always the best approach when flying economy class internationally. Nailed it. Absolutely amazing. Fo Brian, thank you. John Meyer, I'm going to bring you in. Uh, listen, you know, I, t I probably would answer a little more like, you know, with with a little more in inflection and and humor, but nailed it on Japan. I find it very. I mean, where does this go in three years? What, what is if I did we do this again in three years? What's it going to sound or look like? Well, in three years, what happens with this is because of how immersive this is, what we've seen in our beta testing, uh, which we've made public over the last few weeks, is that these users become intimately, you know, almost attached to these personas to the point where they're friends with them. So in three years, I think the future looks like having these sort of AI persona companions in your pocket that you learn from, grow with, um, and, you know, explore the world with. I think it's an entirely new way of communicating, uh, in this case, with a new form of, in some cases, life.
Yeah. I mean, honestly, Jonathan, uh, thank you. Forever Voices. I, I could see it hurting a company like a Google where you, you don't need to search for something. You just say, hey, me, what are the top three restaurants <laughs> near me? What would I like the most where I'm standing right now? I think it's amazing. Jonathan Meyer, really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Forever Voices. That was really interesting, right? I mean, yeah, a little bit robotic on the answers, but wow, what's coming down the road? Terrifying. All right. Maybe you do need a drink. All right. Still ahead. Thefts of Kias and Hyundais, just those two cars, are really on the rise. And you might be able to thank TikTok for that. And get this, now some states' attorneys general are urging a recall because they're too easy to steal. We'll speak with one of them after the break. All right, welcome back. Let's talk Mickey D's, because even with all the noise around the company, shares of McDonald's at record highs today. And old Ronnie has made a lot of investors very rich if they had held the stock long term. Check this out. If you had invested $1,000 in the company went in public back in 1965, you would now have $11.8 million. Now, we don't mention this by random, though it is interesting. 58 years ago tonight is when McDonald's went public at an IPO price of $22.50 a share. Since then, McDonald's stock has skyrocketed by more than 100,000%. McDonald's is big. You might have heard about them. They have more than 38,000 restaurants located in more than 100 countries. And they serve an estimated 69 million people per day. If only you have got in on one of the biggest fast food chains on the planet back in the 60s and held it, you'd be rolling around in a solid gold, whatever you want. All right, speaking of cars, if you are the owner of a 2011 to 2022 model Kia or Hyundai, listen to this. 17 state attorneys general joining together to call on the federal government to recall millions of those models of those cars. The reason? Apparently they're too easy to steal. So easy, in fact, that how to steal them has been seen by millions of people on social media. Now, Kia and Hyundai have both released software updates for some of these cars. Doesn't appear to be helping too much. In Los Angeles last year, thefts of Kias and Hyundais were up 85%, and they accounted for over 20% of all car thefts in the city. Joining us now is California Attorney General Rob Bonta. Attorney General Bonta, thanks for joining us. I think, I'm sure you've heard this. I think most of our viewers would probably be like, why not just try to prevent crime? You know, uh, we believe everyone should follow the law. And there's a federal legal requirement uh, that requires Kia and Hyundai to put engine immobilizers in their vehicles, uh, meaning that when there's no key in the vehicle, it shouldn't be able to operate. That is not true right now. Uh, everyone knows that because of TikTok. If you use a, a screwdriver and a USB cord, you can operate these vehicles with ease. And so there's a, a huge uh, vulnerability. Um, it, it fails to follow the law. Uh, we believe that those who are stealing vehicles and uh, Kia and Hyundai alike should follow the laws. We'd all be 
safer for it. Uh, right now, with the thefts being as frequent and as common as they are, we're seeing double, triple in some cities. It puts undue pressure on our law enforcement's limited resources. It hurts the consumers whose one of their biggest investments is being taken from them. It's uh, been These cars have been used in other criminal activity. It's led to injury, eight deaths nationwide. This is preventable. This is stoppable. Kia and Hyundai has engine immobilizers in the exact same vehicles they sold at the exact same time in Europe and Canada, but they created a uh, vulnerability where they didn't include the engine immobilizer in the United States. Uh, we asked them to fix it. They have not yet fixed it. Can they fix so it? Now I guess Attorney it. General Bonta, the question is, I don't know. I mean, I know a lot about cars. I'm not familiar with the mobilizers and how they're put on. Is this something that, because my when I heard this story, I thought, well, why is there so many car thefts? Okay, number one. But number two, if you recall somebody's car, a lot of these cars, a 2012 Kia is probably going to be owned by a working class person. Maybe this is their only mode of transportation. If they are recalled, what do those people do for a car? Can Kia put these immobilizers on and get them back to people relatively quickly? For the super majority of the Hondas and Kias at issue, you can. And they should. And uh, for those that they, they cannot, uh, if they cannot, with a physical uh, or a uh, software fix, they should give them a car, a new car that has the engine immobilizer. These folks bought a car uh, that should have the standard safety precautions in it. That includes an engine immobilizer. They should have a car that follows the federal law, including the federal motor uh, vehicle safety standards. That includes an engine immobilizer. They should get the benefit of their bargain, uh, and that would make a safer community uh, for, for all of us, as well as less strain on, on uh, law enforcement. Well, the, the safest community would be to stop car thefts. I mean, that, why, why are car thefts up? You said they, I think you said they tripled. They tripled for Kias, driven by Kia and Hyundai is being stolen, which may as well have a bumper sticker or a sign on them that says, steal me we're not, because you, of this we're not blaming. The, are we blaming the car? We're holding Kia and Hyundai accountable for not following the law. We believe uh, in the rule of law that you should follow it, uh, that Hyundai and Kia should follow the law that governs their industry, uh, a law that they could follow and, and should have followed, that they did follow in Canada and Europe at the same time they were not following that law in the United States, and that those who are stealing cars should also follow the law, uh, not steal cars, but when they are, they should be held accountable. Uh, people should follow the law, so should Hyundai and Kia. California Attorney General Rob Bonta, heck of a story, by the way. And uh, if you get any update from Kia or Hyundai, please let us know. We'd, we'd love to follow up. Thank you very much, sir. Have a good night. Thanks, Brian. All right. Good night. All right, let's head to Quicker Than the Ticker. More stories that we want you to hear, including a Goodfellas-style heist. Let's put 60 seconds on the clock and go. Cleanup on Isle Musk following yesterday's SpaceX launch and explosion Residents of Port Isabel are reporting the rocket launch left a whole lot of brown dust in its wake, leaving Texans with an absolute mess. Five players suspended by the NFL for sports gambling. Four players on the Detroit Lions and one on the Washington Commanders were suspended indefinitely for betting on NFL games. The Lions released two of the four players when those suspensions were announced. Call this the heist of the year? Canadian authorities are now investigating a robbery from Toronto's airport worth 20 million Canadian dollars in gold earlier this week. Officials said the gold and other high-value goods were stolen from a cargo holding facility. His name is Big Mac. He's not loving it. He's an eight-foot-long alligator weighing 127 pounds, and he was rescued by animal control from a, get this, Philadelphia basement where he'd been kept for 11 years. Obviously illegal. I mean, who keeps an alligator as a pet? 
I want that last story to really just kind of sink in. Get under your scales a little bit. Somebody in Philadelphia. I mean, I don't mean like out in the burbs with like a big pond and what. Downtown Philly kept an 11-foot, 125-pound crocodile as a pet in their basement for years. I mean, it's kind of cool. All right, coming up. More revelations coming to light about J.P. Morgan's alleged ties to predator Jeffrey Epstein. This is a very serious story, and it is next on Last Call. All right, next up on Last Call, a story that is capturing a lot of attention on Wall Street. The Wall Street Journal reporting that J.P. Morgan Chase may have had far deeper ties to sex offender Jeffrey Epstein than previously assumed. According to people familiar with the matter, three high-ranking executives at the company all attended meetings at Epstein's home after the bank shut down Epstein's accounts in 2013. That followed his first conviction in 2008 when he was forced to register as a sex offender for soliciting a minor for prostitution. The bank has repeatedly denied any knowledge of Epstein's crimes. Now, we reached out to the company. Spokesperson there confirmed to us tonight, less than an hour ago, that some high-level executives, including asset management head Mary Erdos, did in fact meet with Epstein at his home office. Also, that some of those meetings occurred after the bank closed his personal accounts. However, the spokesperson did emphasize this to us. Any meetings that occurred after Epstein's personal accounts with JPM were closed were about the bank's other clients that were represented by Epstein. So the meetings may not have been with Epstein about Epstein, but with Epstein about somebody else. Subtle, but maybe important difference. Joining us now to talk about it is business reporter at the New York Post, Lydia Moynihan, CBC contributor and Yale lecturer, Joanne Lippmann. It's a story, Joanne, listen, if, you know, you worked in newspapers forever. The language is critical, all right? And we want to make sure we got it right, which is why we called, we got the clarification. What JPM is saying is, yes, there were meetings after he had to register as a sex offender, so ostensibly somebody knew that, but they weren't with Epstein about Epstein. They were with Epstein about somebody else. To your editorial mind, does that matter? I think no matter how you look at this, Brian, the optics are horrendous. It's just terrible because J.P. Morgan has been working so hard to say nothing to see here. Nothing was going on. We didn't know anything. And, and you know, and pushing all the blame on on to their former executive, uh, Jess Staley, who they're suing and saying there's nothing to see here. We didn't do anything. But if something was done. It's his fault and he should pay for it. Um, and, and they've made such an effort to say that we cut off all ties that to have this, it almost seems like a distinction without a difference. And perhaps there is a legal difference. But just in terms of reputation, in terms of trust, in terms of transparency, the optics could not be worse. Yeah. You know, Lydia, the thing about and if people don't know a lot about Epstein and I certainly did. And I listened to a great podcast by Vicki Ward, urge everyone to listen to it. She interviewed him before he died and then she kind of released the tapes. We hope to get her on the show soon. The mystery around Epstein is how he was able to keep these super powerful, super rich individuals, how that he kept them coming to his to his massive townhouse on the Upper East Side, even after being forced to register as a sex offender. You know, I think she started writing about this in the early aughts and no one had any answers. And I mean, it's pretty wild to think 
decades later, we still have more questions than answers uh, about Epstein and his behavior and who he knew. I think tonight, though, the real sort of winner here in this story is Jess Staley, as Joanne mentioned. I mean, it's really undercuts all of J.P. Morgan's arguments that, you know, basically trying to blame him for everything, saying that he was the point person, that he misled the bank about the nature of Epstein's character. I mean, this is pretty damning because it shows that even after he left, they did sort of court Epstein. It seems like, you know, they treated him like a star client going to his townhome, essentially, to kiss the ring. So I, I don't think this is a flattering portrayal of Staley. I mean, I, I don't think that he's excited to have a text he wrote to Epstein saying, um, you know, I'm in your hot tub drinking white wine out in the public domain. And yet I, I've got to think he's breathing a real sigh of relief tonight. Would you agree with that, Joanne? I, I, I would. I mean, if I was, you know, J.P. Morgan probably got to be very nervous about Jess Staley, too. I mean, it's like, you know me, I know this, you know that, I know that, right? A hundred percent. So first of all, yeah, I agree with what Lydia just said. But I would also, you know, point out that what this does is now shines a light on all of the other evidence that has been coming out. I mean, the fact is we now know that they knew back in 2006 that Jeffrey Epstein, first of all, was taking out like $80,000 in cash a month. And they knew that there he was, there were suggestions, investigations that he was paying off underage girls and trying, you know, and, and involved in this. And by 2008, he's already a convicted sex offender. And then we know that multiple times employees raised red flags about having him as a client. And yet, they kept him as a client for five more years after he was convicted uh, as a sex offender. Lydia, I mean, this, this and this is not about, you know, some scam artist, right? I mean, it may be, it probably is, but I'm not, this is not a purely if, financial crime. If he crime. was, this, it this was is, a pretty great scam. Well, no, but I mean, this is not like, oh, this guy scammed some other rich people of money. This is about a guy who has an air of mystery about him. Everything from, was he a Mossad agent? Was a CIA thing? He's got this island. This is a, a web it, that seems to be kind of circling around the biggest bank in the United States. Well, I think it just adds to this whole narrative that, right, there's so much mystery. The fact that this has now been a story for decades, we still don't have answers. And yet this adds to the narrative that institutions, whether it's the government, big banks, J.P. Morgan, want to essentially cover up what was going on. And, you know, earlier this week, a report came out that a 911 tape from the federal prison where Epstein was at on the day of his death to the NYPD was erased. And so it's hard not to think of all kinds of crazy possibilities when it seems like big institutions like a J.P. Morgan do not want to provide answers. Luckily, there's never intrigue at the corner of power and money, he said sarcastically. Joanne, Lydia, thank you. Have a great weekend. All right, coming up, you better belly up. For next week because an abundance of earnings are going to roll out alphabet amazon microsoft and more and we're going to set you up for them next all right welcome back time now for a quick last call watch list next week is a big week for earnings four mega cap tech companies are reporting alphabet microsoft meta and amazon Let's take a look at how the companies have been doing so far this year. First up, Google's parent Alphabet, almost up a 20% year-to-date. Investors will be keeping key updates and eyes on their AI chatbot called Bard. We prefer Chet. 
Microsoft also up to almost 20%, likely due to bets on chat GPT. But hold your breath or hold your beer. Meta up a whopping 77% this year. Mark Zuckerberg, as we reported yesterday, has been cutting costs, laying off thousands of workers and committing to, quote, efficiency there. Sadly, the market rewards that kind of stuff. And finally, Amazon up almost 30% this year. Let's talk about it and bring in our friend. You might remember him from such shows as Worldwide Exchange. Greg Branch, founder, managing partner, Veritas Financial, a CBC contributor, and a man like me now getting some sleep. Greg, it's good to have you on in the nighttime. Uh, is there one company here, you're Brian. watching more than others next week, or do they all matter? Well, they all matter. Um, I think the companies I'm going to watch are, are, are Apple, Amazon, you know, the commentary around that, the, the read-throughs, because at the end of the day, all of these companies have been warning us for quarters of a slowdown. And the market still is dismissing this to some degree. And the proof is in the surveys that, that Goldman and Citi released showing that, yes, IT managers did project that spending would go down, but they projected it to bottom at 2%. Whereas we saw with CDW, they're projecting negative 9%, a 9% contraction. And so those are two different worlds. I'm more in the latter camp. I think investors will look through this just like with the macro. I think that they will applaud the restructuring you talked about. They'll look through the earnings contraction, looking for a day in the back half where the Fed cuts rates and where the economy speeds up again. And just like consensus for the back half, looking for 9% earnings growth in fourth quarter, I think that that will prove to be an incorrect if, and faulty assumption. Greg, it feels like the market's like a coiled spring right now, doesn't it? It does. Um, a coiled spring of optimism, Brian. I don't think that we're looking at the data. So, for example, there's still to be there's there remain significant pockets that expect Fed rate cuts, even though the Fed has taken every opportunity to dismiss that they see that in the cards. Yet Fed funds futures and, uh, and, and our counterparts continue to say that this is a possibility. And so that coiled spring is optimism around uh, the Fed not taking further action around earnings flat plateauing mm -hmm. and then turning positive in the back end of the year. And I just don't subscribe to those beliefs. You know, we like ending on the optimism, Greg. It's a little sully side up heading into a Friday. And thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, Brian. All right. Thanks, Greg. All right, folks. So are you planning like a major vacation, but maybe don't know where to go around the world? Don't worry. Foe Brian has you covered. Earlier in the show, if you missed it, we asked an AI version of myself, what are the best places or the places I want to go to? And this was his slash mine number one pick. Japan is a fascinating blend of ancient traditions and modern technology, offering visitors a unique experience like no other. From the bustling streets of Tokyo to the serene temples of Kyoto, Japan has something for everyone. Now, it's amazing for that. First off, full disclosure, okay, and thanks to our friends at Forever Voices. I had not seen or heard that before. We did it. We did it a little before the show because there's about an eight-second lag before when you ask a question and the computer answers and that would have just been really weird TV. So we never edit any content, just trim the time down so it would be kind of boom, 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 a little more rapid fire. Obviously, you know, it was a little, for me, it was a little sort of like robot me, but still amazing technology. And think about what's going to be out there in a year, two, three years. Kind of amazing, by the way. And Japan, I, I mean, it must have scrubbed the Internet, is my number one. I haven't, I've been to the airport. I've never hung out in Japan I would love to. Arigato gozaimasu. Thank you very much for watching Last Call. We're going to see you Monday. Shark Tank, I believe, is next.
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.